Kengaki Kere Matua, Kenga Toto, Aireka, Temotu, Raraimai, Taumai, Kitehui, Komehingarangitene, Emihiatune, Kiakoto, Katua. Welcome to the Hui, Maori current affairs for all New Zealanders. Etaroakene. The race is on around Aotearoa. Nakuna Kotakuma, Komokotonine. We meet the Māori vying for your vote in the upcoming local government elections. And I just wanted to talk to you about uh, how politicians become dickheads. And discuss why it's vital Māori have their say. It's really important and it's really critical that our people become involved in the system. It's where many of the most crucial decisions about our communities, our whenua and our resources get made. Local body elections are coming up and this year there are 29 Māori wards and 6 Māori constituencies as well as numerous Māori candidates standing across the motu. We'll meet, be meeting some of them soon. Engari Matuara i tēnei hōtaka. Te Atara, Wellington City is shaping up to be one of the most hotly contested and closely watched mayoral races in Aotearoa with two impressive Māori candidates at the forefront. They are current Labour MP Paul Eagle and former Green Party Chief of Staff Tori Whanau Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora. Well, let's just get straight into it. You've, you've represented um, a Wellington electoral seat for five years now. Is there a single action, legislation or a bill that you've driven that could directly benefit Wellingtonians? Well, the big one for me was the um, full well-being. So when Labour first got into power, uh, I knew that that was a big priority for the government to uh, restore those. So that was to ensure that councils and local government across New Zealand could have a broader um, mandate to do what mattered most to their communities. Luckily enough, uh, the then Minister, and still the Minister for Local Government, uh, Nanai Mahuta, said, look, rather than a local bill or a member's bill, sorry, um, I'll take that as a government bill. So that went through uh, without any fuss, so it was a good win. Yeah, and it, so that's been legislated, and so now the Aye. four well-beings are social... Cultural, environmental and economic. Um, Tori, tēnā koe, uh, your slogan, I get things done, uh, not just talk about it. What would you highlight in your list of achievements that reflects this statement? Um, I'm very proud of my experience at Parliament as, as the Chief of Staff of the Green Party. So behind the scenes, I was the leader, uh, so to speak. Uh, so I took the party through two very tough general elections, as well as two uh, government negotiations. And that involved working across party lines with the Labour Party and New Zealand First, which in itself I think is a bit of an achievement. Um, but so I like to think of myself as uh, a real relationship builder, someone who knows how to bring people together uh, and work towards um, a common vision. And, and that is something that I think Wellington City Council really needs and something that I would be honoured to do. You both are left-leaning politicians, if you like, or candidates. So, Paul, what do you think the difference between you and Tory are? What would you tell a voter? Why, you know, why, why vote for you and not Tory? <laughs> oh, it's all right, you go for it. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's about restoring the mana of Wellington as the capital city of Aotearoa, New Zealand. And I guess the greatest thing here is that Wellingtonians have a choice. And, um, and that's really what's been offered up. You can either have more of the same, Tory or myself. And what I know you specifically focus on. Sure, I mean, for me, it'll be, the the big thing for me is, uh, and I've got three things, but one of those things is just getting back to basics. I mean, Wellingtonians have said, look, there's there's things like fixing the pipes, our pools and our parks, 
our public transport. Um, but I think for Māori, the big thing will be housing. How are we going to grapple housing in the capital city, Te Whanganui Atara? Uh, we've got social services providers out there saying, pick me, we can be part of that solution. This council's not engaging or embracing those solutions for Māori that I think we should. So housing, I think, is going to be the biggie. So housing and some of those social services there and talking about the waste as well. Are, is, is that similar to you? Are you, are you yeah, different? Yeah, tell absolutely. me about what, you're, what are you going to focus on? Uh, my top priority is very much the same as Paul. So water infrastructure, housing, effective public transport. Um, something that I'd like to add to that. So we know that we have a lot of vulnerable people on our streets. So as well as getting them into a warm home, we must give them access to things like mental health support or alcohol and harm reduction, that real wraparound service. So I'm going to be quite big on that. Um, I suppose my uh, differentiation to Paul, like, I mean, we, we share the same values, is that I'm... Uh, a newcomer to the game, some fresh blood, so to speak. No offence, but... Um, and I think I, I, I'm going to be quite willing to be quite bold uh, when it comes to decision-making. Um, so I, I want to pick up on that because um, when I Googled the media major of Wellington, uh, Wellingtonians, it's 34. It's younger than the average, New Zealand average. I guess the question for you, Paul, is, you know, what are you going to offer young people um, in, in Pōneke? Well, I mean, I'll bring the experience of being a councillor, the deputy mayor, and have been in parliament, but I want to bring all that experience back to say to our, our people, all people, but particularly those in their 30s, if, if we're looking at that, uh, to say, you know, there's going to be a blueprint for a generation of action that I want to implement. And that's something where I've talked about housing, um, but making Wellington, restoring that manna as the capital city to say, what are the things that make Wellington better than other parts of Aotearoa or New Zealand. And so it's being attractive enough to say, we've got some basics to do, but we've got these things to do which take time. And those are the things like making sure that our, our rangatahi and others can afford a home to rent or to buy. Um, they don't go to Tamaki Makoto or, or Tautahi, they come to Te Whangunui Atara. Um, but that's gonna take time. Kia ora, speaking of mana and mana whenua, what do you think the aspirations of mana whenua in Pōneke are? Um, I think, like I've, I've met with, and I know Paul has as well, a mana whenua, and uh, a lot of it is to do around um, housing and uh, effective public transport, and of course our environmental um, obligations. So what, whatever decision we make on council has to, has to be kind of climate resilient, because that's exactly the sort of city we need to build, and kind of taking that back to our rangatahi as well. Um, We've got to leave the city better than how you know uh, how we're currently running it, and I don't think anyone disagrees with that. Um, but on top of that, the biggest barrier for keeping them here, our talent, our graduates, everyone, is the cost of living. Mm. So I agree with with Paul. That comes down to housing. It's going to take some time, which is why after water infrastructure, we need to start building as many houses as we can. Mm. You both are talking about um, you know uh, social services and wraparound services with the people who are living on the streets, with the housing and things like that. When it comes to mana whenua, how committed are you to devolving resources and power to those groups so that they can look after their own people? Well, this council took a long time to sign those, those uh, documents that acknowledge the relationship. Well, we need to move on from that. You know, they are ready to move in this space. Mm. Uh, they've had a lot of radu-radu around things like Shelley Bay. Um, that's been a distraction. What I want to see now with mana whenua is to say to them, what are the things that matter most to you? We've heard already 
uh, that they are willing to take on the provision of housing, not just the wraparound services, not just the hard stuff. They want to be involved with the whānau right up front to say, if we're going to be um, there with the whānau, we want to be there at the start, not at the end. Yeah. Um, and they are ready. And mana whenua are saying, look, we want a bigger, better, bolder relationship with, uh, with the city, um, please let us in. Do you have the relationships with central government to make those kinds of things work? 100%. Um, I'm really proud of my uh, relationships with many ministers, as, as will Paul as well, but, um, um, and I think that's why it would be beneficial of, I, I want to say up front, I think it's really fantastic that of the three front runners, two of them are Māori. I think that's really wonderful, and if one of us were lucky enough to lead this city, I think that's fantastic. Uh, and we both have those really strong relationships with central government, and I, th I think that's awesome. Thank you so much for, for your time and all the best. Good luck to you both. Kia ora. Kia ora. Next we meet some of the Māori vying for your votes this election. Auraki mai anō, time to meet some of the candidates who have thrown their pōtai into the ring for the upcoming local body elections. Tuatahi Kotoi Iti, who is seeking re-election to the Bay of Plenty Regional Council. Ruapehu District Councillor Elijah Pue, who is running for Mayor. And Far North District Councillor Mokotepania, who is also running for the mayoralty in his rohi. Tēnā koutou. Kia ora. Nau mai, mai. Let's just get into it. So Moko, there's about 52 dedicated Māori seats across 27 districts. What does that mean for Māori now? This is huge for Māori. I think it's something like 59 new Māori ward councillors are coming into local government spaces and they're going to bring you know, the social collectivism, the tikanga that we have as people to these tables where huge decisions are made for our communities day in, day out, and I think it's an amazing thing. Toi, um, interesting, you're standing uh, on a Māori party ticket this year, so why do you think it's important to align the local government um, aspirations with that national uh, you know, the National Party, the Māori Party and the National Party. Yeah, because local government is downstream from central government. They pass the legislation. We uh, create and uh, enforce the policy uh, at the local government level, or the regional council does. Mm. Um, and so it just made sense for me that there should be that alignment uh, with the work that Brawari and Debbie, the great work that they're doing down there in Parliament, that same energy needs to happen in local government. And for me, it was also about setting up a pipeline uh, so that when I decide to stand down, that Māori that are coming through have the same values and the same ideas and whakaaro to sit at that seat. Because often at local government, you feel quite alone. Mm. You're there as an independent. But I think it's really important to be part of a national movement, and you know, Māori Party has that. Kia ora. Kia ora. I guess, um, Elijah, because you're at home, where you're, where you're representing um, the council there, so do you feel like you represent your people or the council, or is it both? How do you kind of play it? Oh, my, my, or my iwi? Yeah. Yeah, look, um, I, my whakapapa doesn't go away with me any certain day, so I can absolutely say that I represent um, my iwi and my whakapapa because that's with me, oh, but I represent my community at the same time. I'm also Pākehā, uh, which people often uh, don't remember, uh, so I think I can walk quite... Uh, quite vividly, I suppose, in both worlds. Yeah. We just recently had the local government um, conference and uh, many of you were up there on the stage talking about making decisions for 80 years and that we're not making them, um, you know, 10 years isn't, isn't far enough. You know, what do you think about that, like in terms of the planning that you've done as a councillor 
what does it look like for your great-grandchildren? It has to be intergenerational. The, we're, we're now planting seeds for uh, shade that we will not get to, to, um, to be under. That's the reality of the situation. Local government is, is nauseatingly incremental. Mm. Uh, and so you might be banging on the table all you want, but the reality is the machinery, the institutions themselves uh, are, are, and are really burdened by this inertia. So we do need to make these decisions. We need to keep that pressure on. We need to be talking about constitutional change because that is the only way that we're going to get the kinds of equitable partnership that we talk about uh, and that we want under the Treaty of Waitangi. Mm. What do you want um, us to all know about the views of rangatahi, of young Māori for the future? Well, one, this is one of our new catch cries for local government is making mokopuna decisions so that we're good ancestors for um, our mokopuna in the future. But, I mean, I teach at Te Kura Kaupapa Māori o Kaikuhe as well, and our rangatahi want to, I was saying this to Elijah in the car, what our rangatahi want is to make sure that we leave them a planet to actually live in and for their children to live in, and if we don't start making those longer-term decisions about making sure that we look after Papa Tuanuku, then we aren't going to be. So, you know, we've got these really um, long-term plans that we need to actually think about how we implement these big changes. And it has to start now. We have to actually start now. It's not tomorrow or when the next council, a three-year election cycle, we'll see what happens next time. We actually have to start thinking about that right now. So give me an example, because Toy talks about incremental decision-making at local government. When you're talking about the environment, can you give me an example of, of how you could plan for 80 years? Oh, well, one thing we know is that like, we, can, um, we can forecast already where the sea level is going to rise in 100 years' mm. time, in 50 years' time. So we already know that there are communities that we have in our, in my district anyway, Elijah's, um is, is in the middle of the North Island, so not him, but we know that there are communities that we're actually going to have to look at moving. And do you know what? We're not talking about any of this at all. Before mm. the pandemic, I was in Florida, mm. and um, Miami Beach City already had posters up everywhere on every bus shelter saying, change is coming, the city will change because of climate change, get ready. And they had a website for you to go look at. And that was four years ago. Mm. Yeah, I think with us, we've got uh, one of our biggest exports is tourism, right, with Kororopi, who right in the, in the heart of our district. Winters are getting shorter and shorter. There are less jobs available on the Maunga. We need to start considering what does that look like for our future. I think the unique thing about us young Māori candidates, at least, is that we're going to be in that future. So when we think 20, 30, 40 years, we're still there. Mm. And that's the unique thing of, you know, against perhaps others that might be a little bit older. Plus, you're from there, you're never leaving because that's, exactly. your, that's your home. Um, talking about those te tiriti uh, relationships with local government, and um, you've, you're, you know, your iwi is quite established there now. So, um, what does it look like, and what does the future look like? Yeah, I think if you think about Te Waiheke Mai, which was the kaupapa of the local government New Zealand conference, uh, this whole notion around co governance was talked about a lot, but actually, what we've agreed to in the Ruapi who at least is that some of we aren't quite ready for that. Mm. You know, some of we are still struggling to man their pie or get someone to wash the dishes. You know, I'm at my marae and right to he sometimes cooking the kai, lighting the fire, maybe doing the karanga, but also actually doing the whaikōrero. You know, so are we actually ready for that as a nation? And equally, are we ready? Mm. And I'm not sure if we've quite got there yet. Some are, though. And um, if you think about some of those... Um, policies or ideas that the Māori Party are doing at its central government, you know, 
te tiriti, what does it look like and what actually is co-governance? Yeah. Are we actually lying to ourselves and pretending it is? What do you think the future is and what do, do we have to put our, our, you know, our po in the ground? Yeah, the future could be uh, a lot of lovely sounding words on documents and, and a bunch of window dressing uh, because I think the reality is until there is constitutional change, partnership is going to be window dressing. It's incredibly difficult to navigate a post-settlement landscape for local government entities to go out, who do we talk to? Do we talk to the post-settlement entity? Are they the office of the iwi or are they the iwi? Let alone, you know, we use terms like mana whenua, tangata whenua, Māori interchangeably, but they're not. So the, the real challenge, I think, is at a constitutional level. That's why it's great that the Māori Party, the Party Māori is, mm. is, is pushing that. Uh, until we have that, I feel we're just going to be tinkering around the edges. It's still a job for us in local government to ensure that as we're tinkering around the edges that uh, we're standing guard and ensuring uh, that we're not losing ground, but really we, we, that, that, that constitutional and, and landscape shift needs to happen. Mm. I think a lot of the time you're waiting for iwi to settle. And actually, the opportunity is right now, as you said, we need to make decisions tomorrow, the next day and the next day. Don't wait around for the treaty settlement process to start a co-governance or a partnership arrangement. Let's go knock on the door and say, hello, let's go to the marae tuahui and say, how can we help right. housing, Absolutely. climate change, the works? And Kaikoukou is the seat of the Final District Council. It's also the seat of Te Runanga Iwi o Ngāpuhi. And we don't have any formal arrangements or partnerships with the iwi. We're, um, they're not settled yet, and we don't know when they will be. And we always talk about that being the saving grace, that if only Ngāpui would finally settle, then the future for the North is going to look bright. But do you know what? We've still got mahi to do right now. And, and be careful what you wish for. Even if you do settle, that's just the beginning of the journey. Mm. It sometimes makes the situation even more complex. Mm. The other thing we talked about at our GNZ conference was Māori time is about when the time is right not about imposing it, we're ready, yeah. um, get ready yourselves or get settled. No, no, taihoa, let's wait till um, we get the karanga mm. so that we can heed that call. We are not great voters when it comes to local government. We don't have much time, but can you just share a message with those who might be watching why they should register and vote? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for our whanaunga listening, in last election, the national turnout was like 42 or 43%. And... That's just not good enough. If we want to make changes, we have to actually get into the table, get into the system and work from the outside and the inside in every way that we can. So I urge all whanaunga who are listening to make sure they're enrolled to vote, make sure that they get out and vote and make sure that they put in some really good candidates to represent them at the table. Mm, okay. Is your phone on? Can people contact you and ask Absolutely. you questions? Absolutely, 24-7 and they already do. You can send me a letter as well like someone did yesterday. You've got till Friday to enrol at Te whanau. You need to get in there. Um, this is your one democratic right. You know, you please don't moan. Please don't ring me and moan about the result of the election if you don't vote. Mm. Get out there, have your say, vote number one, Elijah. Yep. Toi, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did Tautoko and uh, the, the, the quarter of, of these rangatahi. This is the future. Mm. You know, really we're creating spaces for future generations to come through. I, I don't think we have the answers here today. Yeah. Um, if there's somebody says that they do, then don't vote for them. They're, they're lying to you. But we need to create spaces so that rangatahi can come through with answers for future generations. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and all the best. Um, we hope you get all the things that you're dreaming for, councillors, mayoralties, the rest of them. Tēnā uh, Next we discuss why it's so important for Māori to cast their vote.
Hokimai Anō. While Māori have a history of low voter turnout in local body elections, I spoke to Benita Bigham, the chair of the Māori Local Government Executive, to discuss what's at stake for Māori when it comes to local government. Why is it important to vote in local body elections? It's really important and it's really critical that our people become involved in the system uh, of local government. You know, we know that it's a system that wasn't designed by us. It wasn't designed for us. Actually, it was designed to maintain the, the power structures of, um, of the, the colonists. But the reality is we are all heavily influenced by what happens in the local government sector. Um, your swimming pools, your libraries, the streets in your towns and cities, the, the footpaths that your tamariki take to get to kura, it's all part of what local government does. And I think one of the biggest things on the radar at the moment that's getting such a lot of attention is the three waters corridor and what that means. And there's lots of purposeful misinformation out there. But, you know, ultimately, local government are the ones who deliver water to our whare. So our drinking water, the, the water we use to bathe in, to wash in, to wash our pūpī, to cook our kai, that's all up to local government to deliver those safe um, sorts of things. So for Māori to say it's got nothing to do with me, um, it's got everything to do with us. Traditionally, um, people might have said, well, there's no one there that looks like they represent me, but what does it look like today? I, when I started out in the local government sector 12 years ago, that was the case. It was a very lonely space for Māori to be in. But, um, you know, times are different with the introduction of new Māori wards to at least 30 plus, I think, 32 councils joining the three that already have Māori wards. And this year's election means that we have the opportunity to start changing that up. We have the opportunity to put our people into these spaces so that those decision-making conversations include our perspectives. In terms of young people, why might a young person who's getting their voting slip for the first time this year want to vote? I think our rangatahi are the most onto it and engaged generation. You know, our rangatahi are the ones who are concerned about the environment, they're concerned about the future for their tamariki. And at the recent Local Government New Zealand conference, we saw a magnificent presentation from the young elected members, which are the members who are aged 40 or younger when they come into the local government space. They're already visioning Aotearoa in 2040, and they're talking about the decisions that need to be made now. And they're talking about, you know, a tiriti-based foundation for all decision-making, partnerships and relationships with tangata whenua that are meaningful and influence the way that future policy is developed and future legislation is made. So I think our rangatahi are the ones who need to take this opportunity and grab it by both hands and say, yeah, you know, you fellas, you've had your time. We're the ones that this future will be built for. And so we're going to participate. Now, at a recent local government hui, youth and Māori councillors laid down a whittle to reimagine local government and challenged lawmakers to make mokopuna decisions and set goals for the next 80 years. That includes responding to climate change. So here to discuss this is Erina Riddell, uh, Environment Canterbury Climate Change Action Committee member. Tēnā koe. Kia ora. Yeah, what, is a, you know, what does a mokopuna decision look like in climate change 80 years from now? So... We are growing up in a world far different from our ancestors, but that's definitely not a, re um, not a future they envisioned us to be a part of. Um, when you're on those, uh, that climate change committee, you know, 
what kind of things do you discuss? What do you bring into it? Because I imagine it's a whole bunch of people, like different ages and from different walks of life. Yeah, for, for, yeah, for sure. Um, it's really, really um, important for young people to be in those spaces um, to see the substance of our values and the procedure in which we see them carried out. I find what's really um, kind of obvious to us as young people is not so obvious to the older generation yeah. as well. But young or old, we definitely each have a role to play because without each other, we won't survive. Yeah, you're from Ōtautahi, you're um, tangata whenua down in Ngaitahu. So what is important for you at home? Um, particularly with our Maraiara Wairua, um, it means fast rising water. Um, we're kind of having discussions at the moment um, around flooding in our area, whether to move from the reserve in which we were set on or to move up the hill. Um, what's that going to look like under the context of climate change? Um, we have hapus that are neighbouring that are talking about um, three waters infrastructure when their infrastructure isn't up to date as it is. Um, they've been petitioning since 1912 for that. Um, there is a lot of... Um, we've got... It, it's a big job. Um, <laughs> it's a big job, you know, having being young and bringing all those kaupapa into, you know, a pretty serious um, environment for you. How do you deliver it and what's the response? How do they respond to someone so young? Um, I've come, actually, surprisingly, a fair amount of support, but it's still quite hard. I find that if you're trying to articulate um, the problems and what the solutions look like, especially from a context of a young person that has so much more broader issues, yeah. um, it can be quite hard and quite challenging. Um, also realising you don't actually have to know everything in order to have a value-based opinion on it. Um, you don't have to be exceptional in your own right in your spaces in order for mm. your voice to be valued. And I think once we get over those misconceptions, then we can really thrive. T tell me, there's a lot of young people who care about the climate, you know, look at the climate change uh, um, protest. Um, what would you say to them um, in terms of local coming into this space, whether it's um, as a councillor or whether it's one of these committees that you can get involved with? What you know, Talk to them about that. Just show up, honestly. I probably only started engaging in these spaces probably like two or three years ago. Um, it was actually supposed to be more of a time filler and a hobby for me, um, and then it turned into so much more than that. But um, yeah, definitely I find that the grassroots bottom-up levels approach is so much better, um, and especially I find that when a regional council backs you and then when you have communities who take you in as their own, that's when all the magic happens. Yeah. And um, I love it. I really, really love it. I can't actually imagine my life without it right now. But <laughs> Most people would be like, what? Yeah. Um, have you got any ideas of how we can get more youth, Māori youth um, voting? Like at the moment it's, you know, these ads on TV and things like that. But what should we be doing? I find it's hard when young people like in the context of my friends like and especially with climate change I've had many conversations with my friends most of them can't actually focus on climate change others don't actually want to bring children into this world because the institutions yeah. and the systems that we have at the moment they don't have any faith in it's like if you don't see yourself in those spaces and it's also that um, misconception that you have to know how all the mechanics of yeah. um, government works in order to have a value-based opinion but um yeah, just more of us in those spaces, um, more people passionate about it. But also I find that people will vote when they're reacting to something that's being taken away from them. Although young people have more, what's the word? Um, I'm trying to think. Like we have so much more informed young people. We have so much more passionate young people that aren't afraid to ask questions. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's from the people before us. Um, but yeah. 
But vote, whatever, whatever you might think, just vote. Don't forget to register and cast your vote. Te puna whakatongarewa te hui i tautoko.